Hail, hail. Good evening, folks, and welcome along to the Endless Sales Podcast. This is a Friday night show. I'm Anthony, and delighted to be joined by two of the show regulars tonight for the discussion. Uh, first up, the captain of the ship, Stephen Tomlinson. How are you tonight, mate? All good, mate. All good. I've had a good, uh, positive week in work. Looking forward to talking things Celtic again. Obviously, a few tasty treats to get stuck into, so looking forward to it. Absolutely, but definitely plenty to get through tonight. There's going to be new signings, new contracts, transfer rumours, allocation gate, and of course we've got a small matter of game of football to play as well on Sunday and uh, as the start of the defence of our League Cup begins away to Kilmarnock. Uh, we've also got Ross Wears tonight, um, our resident Michelangelo. How you doing, mate? <laughs> Michelangelo, every time that gets me. Um, <laughs> I'm doing good, mate. Uh, uh, another wee Friday off, and this time the win was at school, so I took advantage of it, and uh, I went out and banged out 11.5 miles on the road this morning. Oh, uh, so, Jesus. feeling the effects of that. Uh, no beer the night, a wee coffee, early bed the night. Them, them 11.5 miles, that, that was just hitchhiking. Uh, Superb boys and welcome along everybody in the comments as well Stephen's going to be bringing up all of them uh, from the live chat up onto the screen here and that will hopefully help uh, shape some of the discussion as well Get involved, give us your thoughts and shout out to our show sponsors uh, Sharna as well Uh, A clothing range inspired by life on the terraces Our discount code is at the bottom of the screen um, just kind of follow along and you can get a wee uh, 10% discount Some top clobber there I'm away my holidays at the start of September Going to maybe get my, treat myself with a couple of new new bits of uh, some new threads for that. But uh, apart from that, we'll get wired right in to all the discussion points. And I'll come to yourself first, Stephen. Um, we'll start off with the confirmed uh, new signing uh, clocked in this week, um, Gustav Lagerbjuk. Um, I think that's how you uh, pronounce it. Um, joined from Elfsborg, uh, the three million pound deal. Um, he was you know, largely seen as the Replacement for Carol Starfelt, who uh, departed uh, last week for um, for Celta uh, Vigo in Spain. Um, I'm sure, by all accounts, none of us are experts on the Swedish league, but we can only go by what we've heard. And it sounds like he comes highly rated, and it's uh, a good bit of business by the club. Yeah, it's a, it's a good bit of proactive business, isn't it? For mm-hmm. for years and years, we kind of be reactive in these situations. So to get a replacement in. Plus Narosky as well. I think that's a great bit of business by the club. I think Rogers kind of referenced it today in his interview, saying that there's a pipeline of players, and he kind of get, obviously gives the final say. And Mark Lawwell and his rec- recruitment team have a lot to kind of take credit for on that front. I think for years before we were always on the back foot trying to chase players and replace players. And I mean to get two centre halves in in the last what two weeks. I think it's a a great bit of business. Um, Lagerbilk, he came from Elsborg. He I think he won the league with them last season. And I think it currently his team are top of the league. Obviously, they play during the summer. He's coming in fit. It's not like you have to um, get him up to speed. He's ready to go into the squad, ready to be in that first team. He looks quite imposing. I think he's over six foot three. He's quite wary. I mean, from the obviously the highlight package you see of him on YouTube, we're all guilty of it. We go and look, and he looks a very good kind of diagonal passer of the ball. I don't know if that's something Rogers wants to incorporate into our game. Maybe to take advantage of the wingers and, and stuff like that, getting up the up the pitch quicker. Um, good kind of aerial presence about him and I think I've seen some of the scouting reports in terms of stats and he's up there in the Swedish league with like defensive headers one 
uh, tackles one, interceptions. And so, yeah, getting someone like that in, and like you said, we're not experts experts in the Swedish league, but we've had Lustig, we've had Mialbi, we've had Mastorovic, Eric Larson, going back all these years. I mean, Scandinavian players from them kind of uh, nations do us well, and I'm looking forward to seeing them in the Celtic shirt. Yeah, but I very much echo that. And uh, Ross, like as Stephen says, um, it's an, an area of the world where we've um, had a lot of success in the past. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, the, the promo video was uh, absolutely brilliant because it featured one of our uh, year, heroes for years gone by, Mikael Lustig, uh, just saying every Celtic, great, great Celtic team needs a Swede. And he went, if he's ready for your new arrival. Um, certainly, as, uh, as promo goes, um, it was right up there. Aye, top quality. That's it. Lustig is box office, that's what he does. Um, mm-hmm. But I, in terms of the player, I mean, I've not seen a great deal of him. I'm probably learning, just on what Stevens said there, I'm learning stuff about him. Um, I've not really had time to do my homework on him, but uh, listen, it's another defender. It was a position where we needed to strengthen, especially off the back of Starfelt going. It'll now be interesting Obviously, we'll touch on it a bit later, but Stephen Welsh has signed a four-year contract, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, so, Well, I mean, you would have to say at the moment, Navroke has got the jersey, but it'll be interesting to see the three sort of going at it over the next couple of months to see who can nail down the starting slot against CCV. But obviously, we're sitting here the now, and CCV is injured in... Welsh is under, injured, um, so that's another one I sort of jinxed, but <laughs> we'll not talk about that. Uh, I, listen, as I say, it's it's more competition in a place where we needed more competition. And I think, hi Phil, um, I think that what you have to say is, out with the, the sort of profile of the player, uh, which we'll probably get to see more, out with that, I think you look at it's another signing for me where it looks like, as Stephen says, proactive. It's a, it's a signing where Celtic as a club are not sitting on their hands or twiddling their thumbs anymore. They're pre-planning. They're planning ahead and the eventuality that we'll lose players. And we know we're going to lose players. Um, but I, 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 I like the way they're working now. And I don't really know how you can have too many complaints with how they're working. It's... It's a good model. I, I sort of look at it as well, right? See, see when we were going into the 10 season, right? Mm-hmm. We, we were sitting there, right, with uh, three or four guys who didn't actually want to be at the club, but promised we would let them go and then we couldn't because of COVID and stuff like that, right? I think Celtic have they've been sort of bitten then, right? And I, I think they've mm-hmm. learned for that big time. And they're not going to let themselves get to a stage where... Players are running their contracts down. And if they want to go, Celtic are going to turn this squad around a hell of a lot more often than probably the fans would like. Probably they would like. But it sort of keeps that freshness in it and they're not going to get to that stage where they're they're left with four or five guys that don't want to be at the club anymore, that down tools. They don't want guys to be at the club with down tools. And the way that, listen... It's not always going to work, but the way they're working now, you're never going to arrive at that situation again. It's not to say that it won't ever happen again, but the way they're working, I quite like it. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. proactive, as Stephen said. I think, yeah, it's, I think if you look at it, I think, I think if you look at it, sorry, Anthony, 
you, you, you kind of went back there to the 10 season and I think Neil Lennon said it as well and obviously he got stick for it but he was he came out and kind of uh, admitted it in the future that players don't want to be there they were promised to could go places and then COVID hit uh, finances got hit and there was no tra- transfers really taking place and I think you're right Celtic suffered from that probably maybe the players not down in twos but it's kind of lack of um, enthusiasm lack of kind of determination to keep doing the job they were doing in previous, se- previous seasons because they had their head set and going Elsewhere, and very early on in Postacoglu's tenure, he referenced being aggressive in the transfer market. Don't be getting too attached to these guys because they're going to leave and enjoy them while they're here. And I think that's the right way to go. Obviously, there a few issues need ironed out, and we're only really getting on that path. Obviously, to, to kind of bring in them transfer profits and, and spend more money in that sense. But it's a great way to put it, actually, Ross. And I do agree with you in that term. We're being proactive in the in the market now. Do you know I mean years years gone by? Like I said, we were reactive, and very last day of the window, we're bringing in just random players. Sometimes to replace star players who who left the left the club. But I think Mark Lowell and Michael Nicholson to an extent deserve credit for it. They're obviously sticking to this kind of model. Rogers is comfortable within the model, and if there's a pipeline of players and we're ready and organised, then that's a, that's a great thing for the future. And then you, you look at I mean you look at um, home coming in. He was in the twenty top twenty wonder kid list. You look at Yang; he was the South Korean young player of the year. All these players have great potential, and you see like other clubs taking advantage of this very early on. Casado, for example, the top example at the minute. Brighton signed them for like a million and a half quid. Now they're getting over a hundred odd million pound for him. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, we're not going to be in the, the realms of that money, but that kind of model is great, and it does have to work. I think it's going. To, there's going to be some times we're going to have to speculate to accumulate a bit more. I think that's fair enough to say, but I mean, Lagerbilk and, and Nerovsky, to, to bring them in, two top-level uh, centre-halves who start in their own respective leagues, international players, I think it's a great, great bit of business by the club. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, can't, can't say anything against that, mate. I think it's uh, a b- b- great point made by you both. And, uh, Ross, I think you're bang on in that sense. I think modern football now dictates that, not just the Saudi factor, not just the, the wealth of the English Premier League, but Players are coming from all four corners of the globe now, and um, I think it's just—it's almost a, you know, a foregone conclusion. Almost that players' heads are going to be turned a bit quicker by we would definitely say, of course, lesser clubs in terms of uh, stature, but just based on you know the geography itself, you know, people will see Brighton and Hove Albion as, as a step up now, not in terms of the size of the club, but just purely on on the on the league that they play in. Um, it's not something that we necessarily like, but it's just, you know, it's just the way the world is, um, unfortunately. Um, but I'll come back to you, Stephen, since you used the term, because um, I say we have one in the building. There is um, still a couple of weeks left of the transfer window. And um, there is obviously a little bit of a sort of chat amongst the support that we do want to see a bit more speculating to accumulating and perhaps bringing in some players that perhaps are a little bit more um, recognisable uh, you know, at, at first glance, so so to speak. And um, it wouldn't be a summertime without um, plenty of transfer rumours with regards to where Celtic are concerned. So thought we'd just go through them sort of one by one. We could just sort of say like what, what we what we think of the of the potential of the deal and kind of how how realistic we think that it that it could happen. Um, so we'll start with the one that's sort of been gathering quite a lot of um, gossip this week amongst all the the, the usual places. Um, Daniel Podence, um, mm-hmm. Wolverhampton Wanderers player, as, as we know that they that, that club doesn't have the troubles to seek at the moment. Um, there's been all range of uh, 
figures getting bandied about, but I think the one that seems to be gathering stick the most is the they seem well, these people that seem to be in the know. Um, and I have to say, one of these um, supposed in the knows is a Wolves account that has about 40 followers on Twitter, and you'll know that that's not a, a, a great amount. Having said that, um, there is a lot of people that say that where Wolves is concerned, this account is actually normally very accurate. So, you know, you, you, you'll know how Twitter works more than me. <laughs> but um, as I say, there does seem to be a thing where they, they, they sense that a deal could be made at around about the eight eight and a half million pound mark, which would obviously be a huge investment, would be the second biggest outlay we've ever um, popped out for on a player. Um, but of course he is that kind of out with the sort of the model, as we say he is sort of in his late 20s, probably wouldn't get much of a, a resale value on, on that unless he was absolutely incredible up here and, and, and worked wonders. But um, it definitely seems to be gathering a bit of traction. What's your, your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, first of all, the Rogers kind of, squash the rumours today saying categorically no but obviously managers have to say them things to protect deals maybe in that instance but I, I know what you're saying in terms of uh, potence I think for me you, you mentioned the matter there but I think sometimes there has to be exceptions within that room so if you get an opportunity to send a player of that quality a little money eight and a half million pound he's been in the Portugal national team he's over 100 appearances in the EPL he's scored in the EPL he's played for Olympiacos Sport in Lisbon so he, he's been about top European leagues and He's got a pedigree about him. And if you look at it as well, we've all been crying out for the Yada, a Felipe Yada replacement. And I think if you look at him and you look at the way he plays, he's off the left, he's very quick, he's direct, he's quite stocky. He reminds me a bit of um, Shakiri, the, the Swiss international, that kind of build, the stocky build, kind of low centre of gravity. And I, I like what I've seen of him. I've obviously seen him playing in the Champions League and stuff, but you don't really take notice and you don't really think Celtic's going to be linked with these players in years to come. And, yeah, again, back on YouTube to see what his recent highlights are like. Obviously, there's not much. I think Wolves, I think Alistair Jack said it, um, FFP's killing them in terms of financial fair play. Corvo said they're, they're in the red. So they're doing a wee bit of a fire sale at Wolves. So they might be accepting bids normally that they wouldn't take in. So eight and a half million sounds plausible. He's 27, so he's coming into the peak years. And I think, I think you have to look at it like this as well. The exception within the rule we need to stop looking at players as in money bags. Like We don't need to sign every player to make money for Celtic. We can do that with younger guys, but sometimes you have to supplement the rest of the squad with a wee bit of quality here and there. And I think Podence, for me, would be a statement signing. And we were speaking about this previous weeks, Ross, Anthony as well. We get, I mean, me and uh, Willie, Ross, we got in a wee heated debate. It was good crack. But when I'm talking about statement signings and that kind of flair player, that kind of someone to come in and have that kind of um, pedigree already, it's like the guys like Podence and Again, as I said it, for me, that I think he would come in, he would walk straight into the team. I think he'd be a first choice straight away. Obviously, a couple of weeks training on that, but the pedigree of the player, he'd be on big wages, a statement kind of transfer fee, and that, that would get me excited to get someone in like through the door. And not only that as well, I think he scored over 16 goals in the EPL. He has assists as well. So Scott Sinclair, case in point, he came up from the EPL, not really in favour of Aston Villa, and he'd done a fantastic job. And probably Ponens comes with a better pedigree than, than Sinclair, if we're fair here, playing the Champions League and that. So, yeah, it's something I'd be excited about. Obviously, Roger's comments today kind of made me think, is it happening? Is it going to happen? But again, they have to protect deals if they're happening. They can't really confirm or deny. So, I can understand why he probably said them comments. But, yeah, Anthony, if we get a player like Ponens in, wow, it'd be incredible. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree, Stephen. And what I'm going to do is actually, I'm going to break it down into like sort of, 
the more attacking um, options that we we have, and then the the sort of defensive rumours that are doing the mill as well. So I will come straight back to you, mate, and just obviously touch on the other one that was gathering a bit of traction as well as um, Newcastle United's Ryan Fraser. I know it was you guys spoke about it on Monday as well. Um, it has seems to have died down a little bit, but um, yeah, just sort of what would your thoughts be on that? And then I'll get Rossi's thoughts on those potential two deals. Well, I mean, if, if it come into the comments as well, um, Frank Brandon, why the hell would 28-year-old and October opponents take the... Hugest of pay cuts to come to Glasgow, for goodness sake, never mind us paying £9 million or thereabouts for him. There's no residual value. What I would say there, Frank, I mean, I think in our squad at the minute, you have to look at the case in point here, Joe Hart. He came from a big wage at Tottenham and he took that pay cut to come to us. Maybe these players just want to enjoy football game. Maybe opponents. There's a World Cup next year. He wants to be considered for Portugal. So there's other factors that, that, that weigh in. And as I said to you previously, we need to stop looking at players' resale value. We need to enjoy players coming in and stop looking at, like, can Atate go for 50 million? Can Yang be be the guy who brings in the record transfer fee? Do you know what I mean? We'll have to come away from that thought. I do get it. Obviously, I like figures myself, but enjoy the players. And if we're signing experienced international players like that, I'd be more than happy. Um, was it Ryan Fraser you said there? Ryan Fraser, yep. yep. Yeah. Ryan Fraser, for me, <sighs> it may sound a bit contradictory here, and I think Ross is going to start laughing when I say it. I was but, just laughing already. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> but again, it's like Phil. Uh, I don't see the attraction for Fraser squad player best. That's where I'm thinking with this one. He's not for me on the same level as opponents, the same credence as as opponents. Ram Fraser played for Bournemouth and he starred really well. And I think he was up there with their like record assist in, in in EPL. He went to Newcastle, quickly fell out of favour. Questions about his attitude. Questions about his application and training. Corville, you can back me up on this one because you said it back in, the, in the, the previous podcast. So there's a lot of question marks around him that way. Fitness issues, injuries, he's pulled up with a lot of hamstrings. Can we afford to bring a guy in with a, a long list of injury issues on, on a high wage? I don't think so. It doesn't, it doesn't excite me. And it's not because he's Scottish before anyone says this or he doesn't have a fancy name. It's not that at all. It's just the player profile of him. I, I'm, I remember him as a young boy coming up from Aberdeen he made the move to England, and fair enough, Aberdeen have a great track record, but Calvin Ramsey, Scott McKenna, they've made them big moves and done quite well. Ram Fraser kind of followed that, and then he's tailed off a lot. Podence was still kind of playing regularly last season, and he was a first-team starter the year before for Wolves, as I said, over 100 appearances. And I'm looking at Fraser, and I just don't think, I mean, is he better than Meada? Is he better than Abada? No, but Podence for me, he's better than Meada, and he's better than Abada. So there's, it's, it's a two different levels, in my opinion. I get the Ram Fraser thing, but for me, it's pure lazy. It's pure lazy linking us with him because it's going to be the old loan move to buy or loan move to, to his contract frees up and we'll sign him on a free next year. doesn't excite me at all, and that's one that, me personally, I think Celtics will stay away from. Fair enough, mate. And uh, so, Ross, going to come to yourself, mate. As I say, the potential to um, rumours on the more attacking sort of fronts, as I say, either either side of the, the pitch, Podence and Fraser. No, we've obviously spoke a lot about it in the in the group chat. What's your your own thoughts on them? Um well start with Podens. Um well straight away if it was a choice between Podens and Fraser, there's no question that I would take Podens first. Um I I, I think Podens is a really good player for all the reasons that Stephen has stated. I think it would be a great signing. I totally agree with Stephen in terms of 
on that the sort of resale value. Like we have signed plenty of players this summer window who mm. could and will have a resale value. But I fully agree with Stephen that, and I expected Celtic to do this before the window was opened. I expected them to buy bits of quality to add to the first eleven. I've said it, um, but I'm also not really like I'm not upset with the business they've done so far. But I agree, Podence would be that type of player at eight and a half million. That's a deal we could afford. I don't know what his wages would be, but in terms of, excuse me, in terms of his like a. Uh, transfer fee, that's a deal we can afford. If we can make that happen, I think a guy with that much EPL experience, he's as Stephen said, he's, he's been in the, the Portugal national team. I think that's the the profile of player that you're signing for the Champions League to go into the team straight away and I would be fully on board with that. He, uh, Corvo's saying 50k a week, I don't know. Listen, I, I'm no privy to what players are getting, but by all accounts, Cal McGregor's new deal put him up to th- that sort of wage bracket. Um, yep. Who else? Uh, was it just Cal McGregor or was Maeda or somebody put? Kyogo would, would be on about a series. Kyo- sorry, aye, Kyogo it was. Sorry, aye. Um, so they they guys have been put onto that sort of serious money. You look at it and you go, has that been done so that? When we do bring these guys in, it, it doesn't sort of cause that disharmony, breaking our wage bracket, if you like. I don't know, but if you're asking me, Podence in isolation as a player, absolutely, absolutely, you would take him at Celtic. And as I said, it's it's that level of player that you're signing for the Champions League. And I agree with Stephen. As much as I love Maeda, as much as I love Abada, I think Podence probably goes straight into the team eh, after a couple of weeks. In terms of Ryan Fraser, um, I've made the case uh, last week before I heard anything about Podence. Am I right in thinking that they play in different sides? I think they're both left-sided. Is Ryan Fraser off the right? Ryan Fraser's left, but I think he can play right and through the middle. He's he's quite versatile. Podence is like that. Well, I mean, so there you go. But, I mean, before... I made the case for Ryan Fraser before Podence was um, spoke about. I don't think that for me. I don't think they bring in the both of them. Um, no. So if if I'm wanting one, it's obviously Podence. But if we don't, I mean, nothing's concrete. Rogers was asked about Podence today, and he was asked, "Do you have any add to it?" He was asked about Ryan Fraser. Do you have any add to it? And he said no. But that's not shutting the the possibility of them coming. To Celtic down. That's just saying I've nothing to add to that now because the the deal or the the, the talks aren't far enough down the line. And managers do it all the time. He's, you've seen it yeah. enough times. Uh, but Ryan Fraser, for me, if you take Podence out of the equation and he's not linked, I think Ryan Fraser's got again really good uh, English Premier League experience. I think he's. Obviously, he's had a bit, a bit of a time. You like to say to Corvo, eh, tell us what your he's, opinion he, is on Ryan Fraser. He's the only Corvo, guy who, who, in this chart who supports aye, Newcastle. <laughs> aye, but uh, Ryan Fraser hasn't he just played for Newcastle. Oh, I know. Do you know I what know. I mean? He, he had a time at Bournemouth where he was exceptional. He had a partnership alongside Callum Wilson, which was one of the most, um, I want to say affluent, I don't know if that's the right word, eh, in terms of assists and goals. 
it was a great link up. I think they were one of the seasons they were right up there with Harry Kane and so on. Um, and, and that's at a club like Bournemouth. I think it was the season Bournemouth finished seventh or eighth. Uh, listen, I know he's had a time at Newcastle. Uh, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he went to Newcastle before Eddie Howe did. And then yeah. obviously they, they had the 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 history because Ryan Fraser refused to play during COVID. Uh, and I don't I, I can't remember if he'd got in. I can't mind the full ins and outs of that, right? But that was Ryan Fraser's prerogative to, to play or not to play. But it doesn't make him a bad player. Now, I also don't think it makes him But he's a not bad better than Well I'll, I'll I'll come to that, but I don't think it makes him a bad influence in the the dressing room. On t- in terms of is he better than what we've got, I, I can't say he is. Even even when he was at his height playing in the Premier League, is he better than Maeda? I don't think he offers you the same as Maeda going back the way. I don't think he offers you the same work rate. But a fit and fire and Ryan Fraser as as much a threat as Maeda to a defence in the Scottish Premier League and I think his decision making in the final third is better than Maeda's I think his first touch is better than Maeda's I think his finishing ability is I would say better than Maeda's now I know you've made the case that Maeda played up front in the Japanese league and stuff like that listen he scored a lot of goals in that league but if you look at Maeda's sort of where he'd be playing for Celtic, he's been playing in the left. He has scored goals, but you I mean that on Sunday was a prime example of how poor his decision making is in the final third. I love Maeda, you know that. That's what happened with uh with um Fraser. The EPL extended because of COVID. Fraser refused to extend for two months to help Bournemouth in the relegation battle as he sent a pre contract with Newcastle and I... Bournemouth got relegated. Well, uh, again, that's his prerogative because, right, okay, you expect because of the relationship he had with Eddie Howe and stuff like that, go and give me two months. But Ryan Fraser has got a huge move to New a new, to Newcastle. He's a bigger club in Bournemouth by a long, long oh, way. If day, he yeah. goes out and plays in that two months for Bournemouth, it, it might be morally right to do that. But if he goes out and gets a really bad injury, breaks his leg or something, then what if, what if he, he gets a career-ending injury and then he just doesn't get that move to Newcastle because he's played for a club he's not even actually legally contracted to. But going back to Ryan Fraser, the player, uh, Maeda has played in the left-hand side for Celtic for the mm-hmm. majority. I, I don't think he's an out-and-out striker. I don't... I, don't really like him in that position, although he has done okay, I, I concede, under Brendan Rodgers. But for me, you, I know I've made the case that Podence comes in and he goes straight into the team. But that doesn't mean to say Maeda doesn't play a large chunk of games this season. Because Brendan Rodgers, as we've all said, will use the squad this, this season. So whether it be Ryan Fraser, whether it be Podence, Abada and Maeda will still play their fair chunky games or more than the guys coming in because they're important to this squad and Rodgers will use the squad. So as much as you say, is he better than what we've got? 
it's not always about being better than what we've got. And I know I've said... Well, no, always, because like the team we've got now is pretty good. And you can't always, always, every single signing you make, be better than what you've got. But Ryan Fraser is as good as what we've got. Podin's probably as better than what we've got. I'd be quite happy with the both of them coming in. I'd be quite happy with Ryan Fraser coming in. I'd be absolutely delighted with Podin's coming in. I think, I think as well, like you, you, you look at it, I think you make a great point. There, but <coughs> for me, if you're looking again to, to go to that next level, and you said it yourself, uh, Ross, opponents is that statement signing. A, a Fraser, for me, is just on the list kind of to come in and that term beef up the squad where Potence is the, the guy who comes in and takes the jersey off about it, takes the jersey off Meta. And that's the type of guy I want to come in from now until the end of this window. Yes, I'm happy, as I said, with Narosky and, and, and Lagerbilt coming in as centre halves, but again, like you like you said as well, Ross, we're expecting Celtic to kind of do something towards the end of this window and maybe get a better clientele or maybe the term well-known, established kind of player in. Mm-hmm. And they've done that, yeah, with Narosky, who's established in the Polish League, uh, Lagerbilt, who's established in the Swedish League. And then if you get uh, Podence coming in, there's three first-team ready players. And I think that would be a great bit of business. Ram Fraser, for me, like it's, I, I can't tell you enough how much he does. He may, it's like the feeling I got when Aaron Moy signed. That's sleepy, tired. Yeah, you were wrong about that. that, to be fair. I wasn't wrong in that. I was <laughs> wrong in that. He had, two, he, he, had, he had two good months. Two, two good months in the Celtic jersey. And he, he was gone. And he was gone. Two good months. After Christmas at the business end of the season, he was one of our best players. 100%. He, he, he was outstanding in the cup final. But what I'm trying to say is that's the feeling I get. I know people have a different opinion on Moy, but that's for, I think, to be honest, half your eye must be covered and you're watching it like this. He was uh, he was good for um, two months and that's all he, he was for us. He, he, he came to us to get fit for Australia, in my opinion. And then after that, he was he was all right. Um, good riddance to him. But um, I mean, in terms of I mean, in terms of opponents, again, as I say, he'd be an excellent player. And I think Jed Thomas comes in. Is he an upgrade in Jada? I don't know. I think Jada's potential is higher, but I think Podence has already established he's come to his prime years. And I think, again, as I said, be a great bit of business. And by the way, can I just say I I want Celtic and for the rest of this window to bring guys in that can make or stake a claim. For the starting eleven, and yeah. opponents, I, I feel you you could say before a ball's kicked, he will come in and do that. I think Ryan Fraser has potential to come in and do that, but again, I'll reiterate, he has potential to come in and do that. But regardless, I think whoever's jersey's coming in to take that person will still play a fair chunk of games. Yeah, I think that's um, that's pretty fair. So that's the sort of attacking um, sort of rumours tonight, boys. I'll um, bring it into the, the defensive ones. And I know that, obviously, we have covered uh, some of it before. I think, Ross, you summed it up well on, on Monday. This guy sounds like he could be uh, a pupil at Hogwarts. But uh, Olivier Merlin <laughs> uh, from uh, the French League. And it's uh, potentially a left-back deal. Seven million quid. Again, it's in that sort of upgrade sort of uh, kind of fee. Again, these rumours, they start, they fall away, then they, they take track again. Um, 
we've also heard and my own gut instinct because I'm obviously going to bring up our, our favourite um, son, uh, Mister Tierney. I think personally, uh, this is only my, 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 a gut thing. Mate. I think Celtic are not out the out the picture. Where I think they're essentially waiting to see if Newcastle, which was you know at the start of the, the when the summer began, that was where the sort of wisdom was that that's where he was going to go. Um, and to be fair, I do think that would be a natural fit for him if he did go. But that bid doesn't seem to be um, doesn't seem to be forthcoming for the moment. I think that could potentially be a deadline day drama sort of deal, and in the sense that if Arteta's, he clearly claims to me, Ross, that he's not part of Arteta's plans one way or, or the other. <laughs> if that deal to Newcastle doesn't um, sort of come around. Is there a potential? Do you think perhaps a, a loan, a, a, not a loan to buy, sorry, a, a loan option that could be sort of triggered on on the deadline day? And of course, um, Frank, it's on the it's on the agenda, so we've got to bring it up. Sorry if it's uh, you know ruining your Friday night, but you know Eric Dyer has been mentioned. What would your thoughts be on that? Um, well, first of all, on the sort of tyranny stuff. A few months back, I was the same. I thought he would have went to Newcastle. I think I th- think it is a perfect fit. But the boy Timber got a bad injury for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he plays on Tierney's side. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd be surprised unless Arsenal get somebody else in. If they, mm-hmm. I mean, which baffles me that they lose somebody and they, they maybe still don't want Kieran Tierney. Yeah. I don't know if Kieran Tierney's want up the road if he's a bit homesick. No privity that. But um, uh, Corvo has just said there that Newcastle have signed Lewis Hall for 35 minutes. I don't know who that is, but by well, I mean, he must be a left back. So I'm guessing that that probably, that Newcastle have probably seen that uh, Timber has been injured and thought uh, Arsenal are going to let, no get, let Tierney go now. So we need to get our business done. Uh, so the, the the move to Newcastle might be off the table. The move to Celtic might still be on the table. Listen, I've been on record saying a few times in this podcast that I would love Kieran Tierney to come back. And even, right, I don't see the sense in Celtic bringing Kieran Tierney back as a loan. And I know short term, it would be tremendous. It really would. But if you asked me, as much as the romantic side of it and stuff like that, I'm coming back one of your favourite sons, as you eloquently put it there, uh, Anthony. I think that <laughs> for me, if it's a choice between, and I know nothing about Merlin, he's £7 million pound price tag, he's 21 year old, mm-hmm. he's a big tall laddie, which I think he's we not, probably he's need. He's five foot nine. Well, that's totally me, I'm five foot five. <laughs> 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 but, uh, I like that, I like that. Uh, I mean, that's nearly six foot. Nah, I but uh, he's apparently quite athletic. I just think for me, and I know it's quite a big outlay for a 21-year-old player, but if Celtic and Brendan Rodgers feel like that's the guy that can come in and do the job that he wants to do, I'll trust him implicitly because Brendan Rodgers is a really experienced manager and he, Celtic are doing their due diligence all the time. <laughs> I, I probably Ryan Fraser. That's why I love him. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if, it's a, if it's a straight choice between Merlin and Cairn Tierney, I would probably 
be leaning towards getting Merlin in just because yeah. longer term, I think it would work. Kieran uh, Tierney has not been blessed with much luck in terms of injuries. But if 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 Kieran Tierney's fit, he's an absolutely wonderful asset for Celtic. And if they bring him in, I'm not going to turn my nose up at it. And especially, even if they bring him in over this Merlin. Um, but I, as I say, if if it's a toss up between the two of them, for me it's Merlin uh, purely because of the longer term uh, for the club and the the, the team. Because um, I think we'd be back to square one with Bernabeu and Taylor uh, at the end yep. of the season, and we've been down yep. that road too many times, and it's just not the way Celtic work now. I don't think mm-hmm. they're in they're in that market of bringing in loan players. Unless it's a, an option to buy, like they have done in the last couple of seasons. Um, what was the other one? Our oh, favourite subject, Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer. Um, right, well, I mean, if Celtic can get a player <laughs> of Eric Dyer's calibre over the line, 29-year-old, 50 caps for England, he can play centre-half, he can play what a lot of Celtic fans, including myself, have been screaming out for, a physical... Maybe not totally athletic. He's maybe not as mobile as you would like, but f- he would be a perfect fit for Celtic coming into the Champions League to play that. And I know it is not as popular a role now, but for a team like Celtic in the Champions League, I think we need a holding midfielder. I think we need to be more solid. As much as I loved, <laughs> as much as I loved uh, the way Ange played the swashbuckling all out, all out attack. In the Champions League, and it almost worked. It almost worked. I still think we need to be that bit more solid. Eric Dyer would bring that in spades. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it a, a deal we can afford financially? It's up for discussion. Uh, would Eric Dyer want to leave Tottenham? I, I dare say some of the, the lesser clubs in Tottenham. <laughs> I, I dare say some of the lesser clubs than Tottenham and England would be looking to get an Eric Dyer on their books. Um, uh, uh, listen, if we could get Eric Dyer... <laughs> you shouldn't have told these people you're not from. You should not have told. Five foot five and a half. Uh, listen, I'm easy. I've heard all the jokes before. But, um... <laughs> it's like, Ross is like the opposite of Peter Crouch. He's got all the answers there. It's like just the other way about. It's like, I love it. Like, this is my first rodeo. Aye. Um, aye, if Celtic can get an Eric Dyer over the line, it would be the biggest signing in terms of name, I don't know, since maybe Robbie Keane or something like that. It would be a huge, huge, monumental statement signing, in my opinion. Can we get it done? I mean, I would highly doubt it, to be honest with you. But if we did, massive. Yeah. Celtic is a club that allows you to dream, Ross, as we know yep. that. Um, yep. So, um, Stephen, I'll come to yourself, mate, just for the, the, your own thoughts on those um, you know, potential incomings on the defensive front as well. I mean, I, I love... <laughs> I, I love how every time it comes to me, Ross is taking a deep breath. Is it getting in a zen? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rosa. Rosa. Well, if you, if you look at Mer- uh, Merlin, obviously he plays for us at Nantes. 
in uh, France. I think he's, as you said, he's 21. He's five foot nine. He's already made over 100 senior appearances. By the way, this is just me reading off like Wikipedia. It's not me doing deep dives and scouting and all that. The information is for, for people to see. Um, from all the reports I've seen in the chat, obviously there's people who know a lot more about leagues than, than I do, certainly do anyway. And they're saying Merlin has a wand of the left foot. He scored a wonder goal against PSG. He's very quick. He's very dynamic. He can get up and down that line. And he can defend, which is probably a plus, isn't it? I mean, we want a left back in that can actually put a foot in and, and not let players get past him on, on certain occasions. But yeah, Merlin would excite me. If we're if we're looking at um Kieran Tierney, I'm I'm a frost in this one. Unless we get him on a permanent deal, there's no there's no point for me bringing them in loan. And then you're doing the same kind of thing next season when we're talking about Taylor, we're talking about Burnaby, do we need to get a new one in? If we're gonna settle the left back position, we'll do it this summer. I'm a move forward and we get better. And I, I think for me, Merlin, he's twenty one, seven million euro would be a great outlay on, on a player who's already been capped up the the France under-21 level. They're talking about him like he's the next big thing and there's a lot of, lot of interest around Europe so it'll be a hard kind of chase to get a signature but one I think we could win with the record Rodgers especially has kind of developing younger players, moving them on, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I would like to get him through the door if, if that's concrete. Um, I'm, I'm looking at um, Eric Dyer and uh, like like Ross, I mean, I see a lot of comments saying that, that Alistair Jack and that would be Dyer and Corvo said he doesn't want to see you play FIFA if you're if you're trying to sign Eric Dyer. I think Eric Dyer, what we'll have to remember here, he played over thirty games last season for Spurs. Um Marino want, was it Kundo Conte once described him as one of the best centre halves in the Premier League when he played in that position. And yeah, he's probably lost a bit of form or he's fell out a bit of a favour, but it's like potence. So I mean he might want to get back to playing football again, loving football and kind of getting the feel for the game again. He, and he has a former England national goalkeeper up here and Joe Hart who can maybe lean on him and talk to him and that type of stuff the Tottenham connection with Vickers and, and, and Joe Hart and, and that aspect and Eric Dyer played the majority of the games in the previous World Cup for England he wasn't sitting on the bench like he played I think six of the eight games or six of the seven games 90 minutes and I think it'd be a great signing and it, it's, it's like as, as Ross said Poland's statement signing Eric Dyer would be another massive massive statement signing over over six foot, we've been crying out for physicality. Roger said it when he when he first got here. He wants physical players in the team to complement the technical aspect of it. And I think for me, he would fit that. And not only that, Eric Dara can play. He can play football. He can pass the ball. He, he can hit free kicks. And he's a danger in the box. We've seen that for England and things. And I think for me, it'd be it'd be a quality sign. And then if you imagine the window, you, you get Eric Dara, you get Daniel Podence, you get Merlin, you, you get. Uh, Largo Beak and, and the Rocky coming in and then the rest kind of filling that out. I think that would be a fantastic window. That's what I've been crying out for. And I think sometimes it gets misunderstood on this is saying like twenty million pound players or forty million pound players. I would love that, but it's never never gonna happen. And if I look at the comments, I mean let's have we look here, see if there's any four there. It's hard to hard to see in terms of that. People are mostly against them, and I think that's <laughs> Quite strange, Take in my opinion, because fuck of number well, four spot, but they know. Yeah. Well, all right, all right, I think Frank Brennan said it's like listening to a 12 year old on heat. I mean, I'm, I'm just excited for a player of that caliber. Do you think it'll happen? The, 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 the just eat no deliveries, rice for his curry or something. Like, you're gonna have to have his rice, Frank. You're an angry man tonight. Do you think that it will happen? Probably not. I mean, he's on astronomical wages. There's rumours of Saudi Arabian clubs looking after him. 
And look, again, as Anthony said, we can dream about these players coming in. I think Dyer for me is one of them guys. If we got him in, it'd be a statement sign. And there's something as us fans. And if you're trying to tell me if you're going into a, a, a knockout tie or whatever and you've got like, like Eric Dyer on your team, you won't be confident. Of course you'd be confident. You'd be more confident than with most, most of the players you have on their team, with him included in that. And I think it'd be a fantastic addition. And Anthony, I want to hear your opinion on Eric Dyer, Kieran Tierney and Merlin. So what do you think? Yeah. Well, in terms of the Merlin deal, I, I think he's definitely the one that, you know, put around our, um, our brackets, fits the profile um, the most. And, um, you know, our favourite thing, resale value. And um, as I say, in regards to KT, I do agree with what you, what you guys are saying in terms of the, the likelihood of it, Stephen. Um, but as I say, the, the only thing I could see, that, and as I say, Corbell might have actually um, brought that, kind of killed that potential side of Stone Dead, where he's saying about, obviously, um, Newcastle brought in a left back, maybe they're, they're looking at it as if to say he's not going to, um, that, that he's not going to actually be sold to Newcastle, so it maybe becomes um, a move point sort of thing. But, um, yeah, as I say, Merlin would probably be the one out of the three that would potentially be the most likely. Um, I'm actually with you guys on Dyer, I have to, I have to say, I mean, He's one of the, I used to like when I was younger. I used to get him mixed up a bit with Kieran Trippier um, for some <laughs> unknown reason. But um, no, I think he's definitely got ability. But as we always say, with anything down south, it's um, whether or not it can be tempted up here anyway. Um, but and obviously the financial package that would need to be kind of included with that as well. It's um, definitely one that you would put in the unlikely column, shall we say? Um, and I just want to say with, with the comments as well. I know one of our um, but you brought him up earlier, um, Stephen, was uh, Stephen Coulter. Hail, hail to you, mate. Um, we have a good wee bit of... Uh, anyway, oh, he's an angry man. He's angry. I don't know. Has he called me that? Because I can have a debate with you, Frank. No problem, if you want to. We can fire into the chat. No worries, mate. Uh, he's always... He's, he's never the most happy of Frank. But um, anyway, um, yeah, Stephen Coulter, um, good news, mate. Um, Sharna are in the process of making the the t-shirts. I know that was part of your prize for winning the Super Six, so it definitely should be with you sooner rather than later, um, uh, which is great. So um, yeah, the minute we get that delivered, we'll put that up with your, the other part of your prize, and we'll get that sent out to you. So as I say, hopefully it shouldn't be too much longer, mate. And uh, we appreciate your patience. Um, and uh, so and that's all the uh, rumours and mill in terms of transfers um, out the way, boys. Um, but I'm going to come to a bit closer to home because there's also been a lot of new contracts getting handed out as well and also rumours of potential new contracts um, as well this week. Um, so come to yourself first, Ross. <laughs> no surprise. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> during the week there, we've, um, we've had the, the news that... So boys are definitely more on the, on the more still in the development phase, you would say, Boston Lawal and um, Ben Summers both penned new contracts, but then immediately went out on, on loan deals, um, respectively, to Fleetwood and Dunfermline Athletic. Um, um, and the news broke today, um, before the photo uh, news dropped off him actually at the hospital because he's picked up an injury. Um, I don't know if it was lifting the pen or not, I don't know. Um, but Stephen Welsh, um, one of our homegrown players, he's penned uh, a new contract till, I, I believe, 2027. Um, the news broke the day, so those are the confirmed, um, and also as well that has sort of been from Stephen McGowan that Rio Hatate and Leo Abada um, contract talks have opened 
with those as well. Um, so just kind of your thoughts on all the contract packages, and I'm sure um, Stephen will um, be more than uh, prepared for it and giving you his o- opinion on it as well. <laughs> um, I will... Details, folks. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of uh, Summers and uh, Lowell, or Lowell, however... <laughs> How is it you say it? Lowell? Too, too many Lowells at the club. I know, I know. Well, Boston and uh, Summers. I think it's good for them to go out on loan. Um, I like the fact that before they sent them out on... or No, was it, am I getting that round the wrong way? Before they sent them out on loan or after they sent them out on loan, they got them nailed down in new contracts. I think it's better they go out to these clubs than playing in... The, the sort of de facto fifth tier Scottish football eh, backwater not really learning much playing with the sort of Celtic B team I think it's good for them to go out and get proper like first team football eh, and then they can mm-hmm. come back and see if they can stake a claim to get into the team whether they will or not is another discussion but um They've got two young guys, two promising young guys, nailed down on, I think it's three-year contracts, and they're going out and getting a bit of experience, which they otherwise wouldn't get at Celtic in the first team. So I, th- I think that's that's decent business, and it's looking after the young guys pretty well. Um, what are you laughing at there, Steve? This one. The captain does can't believe she moved to another country and Starfield didn't take the hint. That was A2, what was the other ones? Um, Stephen Welsh and... Uh, so, so it was Lawell and Summers pen new deals as is Stephen Welsh and the rumours are that talks have opened with Hattati and Abada as well. Aye, aye. Um, in terms of Stephen Welsh, <laughs> me, me and Stephen Tomlinson, had we been in the same room, would have, I'd have probably been knocked out earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, we had a, a, a quite fiery debate. What is he writing there? What he told me to write? Yeah? <laughs> what he told Brown Warrior told me. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, all right, all right. Um, it's Stephen Welsh, now for me... I've said, I've been asked loads of times in this podcast uh, before the transfer window and stuff about Stephen Welsh and what what his position was in the team. I think his position is what it is right now. I've always said that if Stephen Welsh wanted to get more first-team football, then he should leave Celtic for Stephen Welsh. But if he wants to stay, and I wanted him to stay for a selfish point of view, knowing that he probably won't play like week in, week out. I still stand by that. But Stephen Welsh, I've seen a lot of negativity and I'm no aiming this at you, Stephen. But I'm not. <laughs> not <for the> joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've seen a lot of negativity towards Stephen Welsh, especially the last few weeks. And I look at it and I think, why the negativity? I, I don't recall Stephen Welsh playing a game for Celtic and having a howler. And when you're talking about absolute howlers, like he's, he's no made a glaring mistake that's cost the team. He's, he comes in and he does his job. Listen, not to a, a Carter Vickers level, maybe not even to a Starfelt level, but he does it to a, a good level. 
And Stephen Welsh is a good squad Celtic player. He's a good player to fall back on. And that was no more evident than it was on Sunday when he came in for the cold. And a game, probably one of our toughest away matches in the league, uh, right up there with Rangers and uh, Tynecastle. He's come in out the cold in a game where we were under the cosh for large spells. And for me, I know that the defence wasn't under as much pressure pressure as it was in the first half because we started to get a grip in the midfield and stuff like that. But, uh, fair enough, Jed. Um, but for me, he comes into that game and he, he, he sort of breezed through it. It was no problem. Stephen Wells can come in and do a job for Celtic at SPL level. Uh, in terms of Champions League level, He's not had a, a great deal of experience at Champions League level, but he came in, I think he played in Leipzig last year alongside Jens, and people were saying he's not up to the level. But he was coming in to play alongside a guy that also hadn't played too many games for Celtic, and it was a partnership that was new. I'm not saying that Stephen, uh, Stephen Welsh is good enough for the Champions League, but for Celtic to get him nailed down in a four-year deal, I'm pretty happy with that because I think you're sitting there and we've got Carter Vickers, we've got Navroke, we've got uh, Lager Bielka, and now we have Stephen Welsh. We've got Kobayashi and Scales, but for, I mean, I don't know enough about Lager Bielka, but I dare say Celtic are bringing him in to be the second or third choice striker. Or to play out, do you know what I mean? Uh, the Frank's agreeing with you, boy. Frank's uh, agreeing with you. <laughs> there we go. In. There we go. We got uh, the other uh, That's it's because it's no Stephen. It's Tom. <laughs> 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 but uh, uh, Stephen Welsh for me can be that fourth choice striker. Stephen, I heard you making drawing the comparisons earlier about Stephen Welsh has oh, been he's around. Gonna uh, oh, he's he's been around the club for a while, and you said. It's like O'Shea and Wes Brown at Man United. And I, I looked at that and I thought, well, Man United had Rio Ferdinand Vidic at the time, right? And then they had O'Shea and Wes Brown to play underneath them. They are by no stretch as good as Ferdinand Vidic. In fact, it, it was a huge drop-off. But I, you could probably count the one hand the amount of times that they two played together, mm-hmm. as in uh, Brown and O'Shea over four, five, six seasons. And Man United were competing in all fronts. And they... Let's talk back. <laughs> Man United <laughs> were competing in all fronts and they needed to... They needed, they needed Welsh... Eh, sorry, Welsh. O'Shea and Brown to come in at times. And they done a job good enough to help Man U along the way. Celtic are competing in all four fronts. And they have CCV... Navroke for me, I know it's early, but he looks up to the task. Mm-hmm. By all accounts, Lager Bielka might even be better than him. But for me, Stephen Welsh is a Wes Brown or a John O'Shea in that he can come in to that team like Sunday and do a job. It remains to be seen if he'll be able to do a job in the Champions League. But let's be honest. If we go into a cha- any Champions League game with Carter Vickers and Navrocki or Carter Vickers and Lager Bielka, the question marks will still be there whether they can do it because mm-hmm. they haven't 
they haven't proved themselves at that level either. They've they've had a go at it, but they, by all, I mean, you've admittedly said yourself, Stephen, that they they didn't do it. They came up short, and they did. Um, so again, I'll say it, Stephen Welsh for me. When you look at Kobayashi, the way he put, I, I know. Listen, he came into a team that were sort of experimenting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, know like, you want to see me in the group chat Monty Kobe <laughs> <laughs> Ashi came into a team uh, last year it was sort of experimenting towards the end of the season I made that argument for uh, Ralston as well so it's fair, only fair to do it for Kobe Ashi but even in pre-season he looked at sixes and sevens he doesn't look comfy I think he looks too slight Stephen Welsh has never looked uncomfortable I'll admit, he's, he's not the size of a Carter Vickers or an Rocky, but you look at Lager Bielka, he looks quite slight. Um, Stephen Welsh, for me, is a good, steady defender. And no nonsense. He doesn't do anything fancy. He just does his job. And even in the opposition box, he's a threat, and he's proven that. He's scored headers for Celtic on numerous occasions. This is a guy, by the way, who came into Celtic at 21-year-old and played in the COVID season. An absolute disaster. But he came out of that season and he could hold his head high. He wasn't one of the ones that totally underperformed. He was playing on a highly underperforming team. But people forget he's been around the first team for a wee, what, two, two, three years now, you would have to say. He's still only 23 year old. People say they've made the case for um, I can't even mind, but twenty-three-year-old isn't the old, in my opinion. I'm again. I'm not saying Stephen Welsh will be a first-team pick, but he's got time on his side, and he's learning under Brendan Rodgers, who makes players better. He made so many players his first time around better. I think he could do it with Stephen Welsh, but again, I'm not saying he'll start. But Stephen Welsh is a great asset for us to have as a squad player, he's a great asset for Celtic, and he can also tell new guys who come in, as much as he's not a senior player, he alluded to it in his uh, press conference the day, as much as he's not a senior player, he can tell, he can still tell the new guys what it means to be playing at Celtic and what the club is all about. Yeah. That's I, me. For once, for, <laughs> I, I, I agree with that, mate. As I say, every squad needs a squad player, and mm-hmm. he definitely falls into that category for, for me personally as I say of course he's never going to be first pick we, we, we know that um, but and, and, and of course as well his nationality helps as well because it does fit in with the, the homegrown quota that we're going to have to have um, but yeah like you say we're fighting on four fronts and we do need a sort of nucleus I would say of um, some kind of homegrown uh, Scottish players as well and um, as I say, he knows everything about the club. We know he's Celtic daft. His family's Celtic daft as well. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a, a given for... That means he should get a, 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 a sort of place in the team or a place in the squad. But it, I think he's I think he is where he is on merit. You know, he's there's so many youth players, as we know, that get sold off very quickly. There has been interest from from Welsh every season um, in the, in the time that he's been at the club. And, and Celtic have knocked... Um, Celtic have knocked it back. Um, so yeah, as I say, I, I wasn't um, I wasn't surprised at the news that he's he's staying on. Um, but of course, the Celtic family is a broad church, Stephen. We don't all speak with one voice. 
What was your thoughts on today's uh, announcement? Well, I think you can tell by Ross's is, Ross is passionate defence of Welsh that uh, we had quite of a ding-dong earlier on, to, to be honest. And I was working in a mood. He was working in a mood. <laughs> but we're here now. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of positive comments in the chat. And again, it differs. People saying Welsh isn't good enough. Obviously, people saying Welsh is a great option to have. And I do get both sides. Look, I'm not against this contract, right? I'm not against it. But Roger said he wants four competing centre-backs. And that, to me, screams four centre-backs of round about the same level. Welsh is nowhere near the same level as the three we have, in my opinion. You pointed to the fact, Ross, that uh, Lager Bilk and the Rocky haven't quite obviously done it yet. We don't know. They're unknown. That's, that's fair enough. But they've came from established leagues. They've played over 100 senior games. Fantastic. So they've, they've got something about them. Welsh, to me... In and a, in a, in a roundabout way, I mean, Toulouse, Udinese, teams are interested in him. He's wasting his career at Celtic, in my, in my opinion. He's shown a wee bit of lack of ambition in himself just to kind of settle and sign, and sign this contract. I think he probably he should have went. He should, he should have gone. And Rogers made, made a point today, or actually last week, he wants to keep him around. Look, I get all that sentimentality. I get he's a Celtic man. I get he's been there since he's 12, and that's, that's 100%. But he's not good enough for us. He's, I mean, if, if this, Conor Vickers is injured, right? All you need is one of the other centre backs, the Rocky or Lagerbelt, Lagerbelt to get injured. How's Len, he not good enough for us, though? Because you keep he's saying not. he's not good enough, but you haven't told us why. Well, I don't think he is. I think he's slow. I think he's very weak in the air. I also think that Alistair Jack made a great point. If you watched this at Murray game last season, he was culpable for a few opportunities. If, and also. Jed brought up, we played uh, in Europe, and he made a few mistakes, and he was in the team. And it's like if you go into a Champions League game this season with Welsh at the centre half, we'll be having this discussion again after this, that the group being like we should have strengthened that area, got one more body in. And I think that's what we should do. Because if you're having four competing centre-backs, that's, that tells me that Rodgers wants them all around the same level. Welsh has been there. He's been under Lenny. He's been under Postacoglu. Postacoglu didn't obviously didn't rate him. And obviously, for me, in my opinion, he would have been out the door if Ange was still there. He's not. It's, it's like Ralston for me. They're, they're just not good enough for Celtic. They're, they're domestic level, and that's it. That's their them. I mean, Ralston went to Dundee United, St. Johnson, and Field. He just looks good because he's playing with better players at the minute, but his, his weaknesses come to the fore when we're under pressure, when we're not having most of the ball. And it's like Welsh in European football as well. If we go to a higher level, that higher bracket... He'll fail, in my opinion. And if you're looking at, at Lagerbilge and you're looking at the Rocky, we got them for peanuts in terms of money. So I'm sure there's another guy who could bring in in the round that who'd be happy rotating before good level centre halves. And look, it, like you said, Rogers sees him week in, week out. So again, I can't say my opinion because no one, everyone's going to trust Rogers in this instance. I get that 100%. But it's... It's just four years of him just sitting around in the doldrums waiting for opportunities here and there. And in my opinion, maybe six to, six to ten appearances a season. Yeah, I, I know Willie said in the, in, the, in the chat we all need squad players and that, but we need squad players that can make an impact and eventually stake a claim for the first team level. Like if you look at Yang, he's going to start as a squad player, but he'll come in, he'll compete, and maybe he'll take the jersey off a of batter. You look at home, he'll come in, he'll a squad compete. Player? 
No, Barra's a first-team regular right now. But if, this you, is what I'm if saying. he comes in and takes the jersey and he doesn't become a squad player... Yeah, Barra will jump into the squad player. Then it's up to him to fight back and get that jersey again. Of course it does. Welsh will never be a first-team pick. He'll never be a first-team pick. He's not going to break that ceiling. He's not going to break past the Vickers or anybody like that. Don't it's the same with Ralston and Johnson. Ralston is never, ever in a million years going to be our first pick. It's going to be Alzer. As soon as he comes back, he'll be in. And for me, we're talking about beefing out squads and that. How about we get squad players in who are going to fancy take that place? Welsh will never do that. It's so, for me, it's underwhelming, right? 100% underwhelming. And it, yeah, it's my favourite word. And I, I don't care, to be honest, because I, I know people don't. That's fair enough. But I think it's underwhelming. You look at Boson Lawwell, you look at Ben Summers, certainly did a great thing with them, signed them a three year contract, popped them out low. Welsh has passed that opportunity now. 23, 24. There's no point yeah, in him. You know, a few years younger. That's what I'm saying. But they're going to develop. They're going to develop. You remember at the point of at the point of Stephen when Stephen Welsh was at, at that point in his career, there was a global pandemic coming on and the whole the club was in an absolute shit show. If if Stephen Welsh had been, you know, if, if Stephen Welsh was the same age as Lawell, etc., right now, the club is in a far better state. Perhaps that loan deal would have happened rather than I'm mm-hmm. just getting flung in at the deep end. Do you know what I mean? Could we really say that any of the any of the team, um, any of the youth players that have been flung in at the deep end could have impressed with the club and the state that they were in back then? Well, I mean, no, probably not. That, that, that's that's fair enough. But I'm saying what I'm trying to say is Welsh has passed that development phase. I don't think he can really improve anymore. He can't. He's not going to get at 23. Can he improve? 23, 24. In my opinion. Come I think off he, it, man. I, I think Come he, off I think it. he should be. I think he should be out the door. I think he, he should be out the door. I don't. I don't understand why there's such a like a fan for around him. I really don't. I would understand it's, it's, this if he it's was. Not a fan. It's not a fan fear. It's 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 just a it, it is a acceptance of like you, like you say like every squad needs squad players so it's just a case of well he's he's sticking around it's right. um, Matt. as I say that 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 great ninety nine squad that we were talking about there with, with, with Man United oh, this match might be a bad time because a lot of them were homegrown but for every um, Paul Scholes or, or whatever you needed a, a, a Ronnie Johnson for every Dwight York and Andy Cole you needed a Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer for every Gary Neville you needed a Phil Neville for whenever you're Celtic's got a big squad and I would agree that there's still a few that need shipped out but there still has to be that nucleus of I, for what it's worth I agree with you I don't think he's going to be certainly not um, in contention for Champions League games but it is one of those players that on the back of a Champions League game, perhaps away from home, and perhaps Navrocki or that's picked up a knock, and we're at home to I don't know a St Johnston um, that Saturday. That's when he comes in. That's when your squad players get utilised. And when you put, but you're, you're missing you're missing the point. There could be a point in this season where he has to play in a European fixture. Are you trying to tell me right now you'd be confident getting in with a Navrocki and Welsh at the back? Of course you wouldn't. Right. Well, you're trying to tell me right now. That you'd be confident going in with Navrocki or Lager Bielka alongside CCV. They've came from established leagues and played over 100 appearances for their actual teams. So of course, they're confident. And they've I'm been not, champions, I'm not they've been saying champions that of their respective teams, too. I'm not saying that Stephen Welsh is better than them. But for us, 
for us to have Stephen Welsh as a fourth choice. Now, I understand, right? You've made the point on Ralston there, right? Ralston is the only one that's competing with Johnston for that position. So I, I concede that I would maybe try and strengthen a, a Johnston's understudy. But there's more options at centre-half and that Stephen Welsh is fourth choice as it stands, right? The likelihood of him having to play in a Champions League game is lesser that now I understand and well it is it's lesser than Ralston because Ralston is the only option there have to be a few more injuries before Stephen Wells had to play (laughs) before Stephen Wells had to play because there's there's three players in front of him and listen I get that we've got two out there now but over the course of the season the the chances of Welsh haven't he get put in in a Champions League game is slimmer than Ralston. I'm not saying that Stephen Welsh is good enough for the Champions League. I'm not saying he's the best centre-half. Is he good Park. enough for us? He's good enough. He's, he's good enough to be at Celtic and have his role in the team that he has got right now. Absolutely he is. He's, he's proven that coming in, in in league games. But the point is... he I'm better Liam Scales? Go and let me finish. Aye, he's better than Liam Scales, aye. Uh, well, the you're point actually I'm learning trying... about him this season. Oh, just leave it. I'm not going to stop. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. There's no point getting all money about it. I'm just saying you were waxing the about... about Liam Scales in pre-season. Now he's been wiped to the side. Now you're saying Mouse is brilliant. Yeah, you said Liam Scales is brilliant. We all did. I... But he's not getting I... the look I... him. I didn't I'm say he was brilliant. Pre-season. Absolutely <laughs> did not say that. You're just made up a lot of pish there. Well, I'm just right. saying Liam okay. Scales, mate. Right, so Stephen Ross was making his point. Let him finish, and then you can counter it. Well, my point was that um, Stephen Welsh, you'll have two centre halves who are going to be your first choice pair. We don't know what that is yet, right? It could. It's going to be CCV. The likelihood is it'll be Navrocki or Lager Bielka, right? Stephen Welsh isn't going to be in that. But like Anthony said. You look, I'll make the point again. Uh, Rio Ferdinand and Vidic, the drop off for they two was quite big. It's the same, like you're not going to get uh, two CCVs and two, like we don't know what Novrock is going to be like, right? So let's make the point it was Starfelt, right? You're not going to have two Starfelts, you're not going to have two CCVs. The people who are going to be under, you're not going to get four centre halves. All the same level. It's just not going to happen, especially not at Celtic. But you'll get two good centre halves who'll do the job, and there'll be a good centre half pairing for Celtic. And then you'll have two guys who are their understudies. And the reason they're under, they're their understudies is because they are not as good, and that's why they're the understudy. But they're still good squad players to have. You need to have guys like Stephen Welsh in your squad. I go back to it. Johnny Hayes was never a top, top quality Celtic player, but he was a guy you could rely on. Mm-hmm. That is why you I think Steve, uh, Stephen Welsh isn't he? He's not, I was going to say he's no Celtic class, that's not what I'm trying to say. He, he, Stephen Welsh isn't a first pick level, but he's a guy, if he wants to be around, who is good enough to be at Celtic and come in and do a job, in my opinion. I would 
yeah, for for what it's worth, I would I would agree with that. But fair's fair, Stephen. You make your point. And then I'm, we'll I'm move on. I'm set. I'm set. point. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Then we'll uh, leave the contract gate at that and move on to another one, which I'm sure there's probably going to be a bit more agreement on. And it's uh, the subject. It's uh, you know like a turd that just won't flush away. It's the Nigel Farage of subjects. It's uh, I'm talking, of course, about allocation gate. Um, latest rumours are that although there's been absolutely nothing official yet, has to say. Um, and I'm going to break this down into two bits, Stephen. The first of all is just the actual facts of, of the case at the start, and then we'll look at the, the media's um, deplorable um, behaviour throughout this whole sorry saga as well. Looks as though Celtic are going to refuse, um, or sorry, Celtic are going to refuse their offer of the 700 um, briefs for the, the game on the 3rd of September. Um, and although last night it was looking as though that Rangers were still going to be getting there, um, allocation. It looks as there has been James P did sort of announce today that there might be something in the offing that Celtic might reciprocate that on on the base on on the basis of something that's not came to the fore yet. So we probably will not talk about that now until we know more facts. But in terms of there will not be any Celtic fans at Ibrox um, on the third, not through any any restrictions or anything. It's just point blank. Celtic have refused the allocation and. Just so, as we know, there are liars, there's damned liars, and then there's Scottish tabloid journalists. Um, I would say their behaviour, whether it be the print media or the broadcast media, has been nothing short of a disgrace throughout this whole saga. Um, they are misrepresentation of Celtic's stance on it, where they want no part in this. Celtic wanted mm-hmm. that, did not want the all allocations to be dropped. They just basically responded in hand with what Rangers did. And... Um, we now have refused the, the tickets on safety grounds as well. We've seen Joe Hart um, could, have, could have had a serious injury with a glass that was flung on the park. Supporters have been targeted um, as well, we know. And obviously Celtic's coaching staff as well um, have been subjects to attack from uh, you know, the Ibrox faithful. It is a manifestly unsafe environment for anyone connected to Celtic at this moment in time. And Celtic have taken the quite sensible option, in my opinion, of not taking the 700 seats. Celtic on them as well have been blamed for this as if it's sort of both sides are, are, are as bad as each other on this. We all know why this started. Because first time round when Brendan Rodgers was in charge at Celtic, he was the first manager in history to win four games on the trot at Ibrox. And it was all, all manner of victories, whether it be 5-1 drubbins to 3-2 victory, uh, league deciders with 10 men and everything in between. And from there, rather than just ignored the lunatic fringe of the support. Um, the Rangers board have decided to pander to them and um, basically reduce the allocation to an unsafe level. And um, from there, they have tried to pass it off as if this is a sort, sort of both sides to blame altercation. Celtic at every turn have tried to rectify this, try and find some common ground. And again, um, they seem to be getting sort of blame as if, it, as if it's sort of a, a double-edged thing, as if we're just as bad. Um, on our front, despite the fact there has been no cases of Rangers supporters being, you know, targeted with coins or missiles or, or anything else um, when they've been at our place. I would be more than happy to give them the 700 seats because, as we know, mm-hmm. Celtic Park's a safe ground. Um, we don't, obviously, we've had our, 
bad moments in the past with you know the Hugh Dallas incident and stuff. And we we admit that rather than you know trying to deflect anywhere else. I just wanted to get your your own thoughts now, just purely on the sense of what um what you think of Celtic not taking the tickets, but also your thoughts on the way that the media have uh, falsely portrayed Celtic's stance on it. Well, I mean, the media falsely betray everything about Celtic, don't they? Especially in yeah. Scotland, it's, it's the trend that keeps on going and every summer and every winter, every transfer window, every issue, every news story is portrayed that Celtic are always the bad ones in every situation. <laughs> um, let's not get away from the fact that it was Brendan Rodgers and Alton Edward that killed them at Ibrox that day. <laughs> and they've, they've took the huff ever since and they've cut the allocation. I think Celtic took the, the right stance in this instance because we're seeing the safety issues. We've heard the heard the reports from fans who've been there saying Uring's been chucked at them, Buckfast has been chucked at them, glass bottles, coins, and it's a very easy area to get to you in a corner. There's big stands either side of you. And they're talking about netting. That like the Celtic supporters aren't cattle. We're not sheep. We're not goats. Do you know what I mean? We should be allowed to support our team freely and in a safe environment. What annoys me is the fact that Rangers have never been punished for the disgusting behaviour you see going on at Ibrox, for the glass battles in Joe Hart's six-yard line, for the physio being attacked. Rangers, as a club, have never faced any punishment whatsoever. In any other European league, or any league around the, and around the world, you'd be talking about a partial stadium ban, a partial closer, or deducting of points or whatever, because it's disgusting the amount of stuff that's happened since the allocation's been cut. And I, do, I feel sorry for the fans, because I know there's the hardcore element who want to go to the, to the ground and want to show the support. But you have to understand this as well. A coin's a coin. Hits you in the wrong place, you're in serious trouble. Mm-hmm. A battle hits you in the wrong place, you're in serious trouble. So the Celtic board have had to take a stance on this issue and think about the safety of the, the supporters in, in this event. And you also look at it as well. Players, Chris Sutton, a former Celtic player, wasn't guaranteed safety and he couldn't even attend a match to commentate on it when he was with BT Sport. That's the type of levels they're up at at the minute. I'd be quite interested to see if he makes it in with Sky Sports this season because he's a co-commentator. But I think Celtic, for me, need to come out and make a statement or make their stance known because I think Rangers are running the narrative. They're running with it. They're trying to make us out to be the bad ones. And I think you're right. Your man, James Bidsgrove, the chief executive of Rangers, admitted that they met up with Michael Nicholson and he was more keen to get the, the allocation back up and... James was the one pushing back because they wanted the, the season ticket holders <coughs> to remain in is it the, the Bloomfield stand or Broomfield stand, whatever it's called. And he, that's the way he wanted to remain. And then you have to look at it as well. It's The, the Glasgow Derby is not the same. And I, I include this both sides here. The, yeah. the full allocation was brilliant. It brought colour, it brought noise. And yeah, it was your rival supporters, but it added to that event. It added to the, the, the atmosphere. You felt it as an opposition player or a player at the home team. Everyone spoke about it. And, it, it, I mean, they've took the huff and they've cut that because we were hammering them. And it's it's almost like there's rules within the SPFL, by the way, fans. But surely you're looking at this as a product. Can they not get involved and be like, look, this needs to be sorted. This needs to be sorted out. As you said, sadly, I felt out the olive branch to be like, can we get the full allocation back up? They've rejected it. And I don't blame the Celtic board for doing it. I mean, I wouldn't feel safe at Ibrox. N- not, not a chance. I mean, William put in the chat there. I think you should talk about Welsh again. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think for me, like, safety is paramount. You cannot be sitting in that corner. N- not, not a hope. I think it's too dangerous. It's so volatile. And it, it just disgusts me that uh, I, the Broomloan stand, Monty, uh, 
it just this really really irritates me that they've never been punished as a club they they get led away with everything every single thing and they have a cheek to write letters to the SFA complaining about referees or complaining about Celtic maybe blocking the allocation. Are you winding me up? Are you actually winding me up? Do you know what I mean? It's incredible. I mean, according to some pundits as well, Michael Beale has managed his first three games and he's been there for half a year. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. It, it's insane. And it's the same with the, the, the element of the supporters as well. Yes, there's no angels on both sides. We know this. There's a bad element. 100%, but nine times out of ten, Celtic are the bad ones. And it's always going to be that way. It's always going to be that way, Anthony. That's uh, you, you just spoke, you spoke there about the, the Rangers um, know, chairman, chief executive. I mean, it's just musical chairs with their titles around there, um, Ross, but it's the only titles they have, really, I suppose, to be fair. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, James Bysgrove did come away with this. And this is what annoys me. We spoke about this in the chat last night. And we we did we had hoped to have um, James P. Forrest on me as a night, and he would have actually been the perfect person to ask about it because he's actually has his seats in one of those one of the um, areas that we're talking about. The the lie that never gets challenged, and this is what really frustrates me with the media. Rangers, anyone involved, but it's Bygrove um, at, at the moment is able to constantly say, "Oh, we we, we can't get the tickets back because we've, we've we've sold the season tickets behind that ground, uh, that area of the ground." Now, we all know that that could be changed in an instant. It can't this season now because obviously the, the season tickets have been sold, but there could be easily a bit of correspondence went out when he got the job back at Easter time to say from next season, the tickets behind that goal will be available for 17 league games a season, but when it's the the two uh, derbies, they'll be made available to Celtic fans because that's exactly what we do in the hope that this nonsense can ever um, be rectified that the fans in that area where Rangers fans would traditionally sit um, the, the tickets are sold the season tickets are sold at a cheaper rate and when it becomes clear that those um, tickets are that there's not going to be an end to this solution those supporters get first dibs on on buying them up for the for the forthcoming home fixture that is mm-hmm. easily what they could do. I mean, we just seen it. I mean, after they lost the preseason friendlies, there's going to be a statement coming out now that it's only 500 tickets for away fans at preseason friendlies now. Once the the Geordies, um, you know, put two past them, it's just it borders on ridiculous, really. Um, when you think about it, that it seems that in the entire industry, there's not one, you know, so-called journalist prepared to put their head head above the parapet and actually do their job and say, listen. This is not on Celtic here. This is Celtic have just reciprocated the way they've been treated, and I've tried to find a solution to it time after time. But of course, that doesn't get you in the room where the succulent lamb is getting served. So, what's your own thoughts on it? Um, I know you know what you've said in the group chat. You're as frustrated with it as the rest of us, and you know we we'll, we'll long to see the day when it is that that sort of full stand again. Um, but what's what's your your thoughts on it at the minute? I, but I mean, just sort of echo yours. It's mm-hmm. we all know that we the the old allocation it brings so much more colour and atmosphere to that game. Rangers, listen, we all know. I'm just repeating what you have said. Mm-hmm. Rangers started that. How anybody in the media or anywhere think that Celtic had no other option than to reciprocate that is beyond me because. The both of them are going for a league title. Rangers lower our allocation, right? 
So they gain an advantage. We having more fans. Is a belter that <laughs> they gain That's an advantage. They gain an advantage having uh, more fans, and we have lesser. Uh, but then they're expecting us not to reciprocate that and allow seven and a half thousand Rangers fans in Parkhead when we get like seven hundred or the Ibrox. It's, you're just not mm. going to do that because the home advantage and is is a big thing in football. Uh, so that is not a level playing field. Celtic are going to. It's their job to make it as level a playing field as they possibly can. And by reciprocating what Rangers done is the right thing to do. It's, it's, it just is. Anybody, nobody, sorry, can argue against that. Like you've said, Anthony, in terms of, obviously, Rangers can't do it this season, but I fully agree with you. They could have had something in place if they wanted to bring this to an end. They could have had something in place. They knew they were going to be the first uh, derby the season at Ibrox because we were the first one um, last year at Parkhead. That's the way it works. We all know that. But they didn't do it because, again, they they don't want us to have that full quota because they know that there is a real danger that Celtic could go to Ibrox this season and quite easily win twice again. Mm-hmm. It's never When Rangers were the dominant team, it was never an issue. Celtic had to put up with it getting beat off the Rangers at Parkhead for years. Not once did we take away their quota. But they've then offered Celtic the 700 and I think it I think it was 760 tickets or 706 or something like that. Mm-hmm. How they expected Celtic as a club to accept that. Now, if they had accepted it right, Celtic fans as Stephen says, the hardcore, desperate to be there, would have snapped their tickets up and went and put themselves in peril danger. Celtic as a club, it was up to them to sort of protect their fans and not put them in that position, knowing that they would snap the tickets up because they want to be there. Celtic as a club protected our fan base and they done the, the absolute right thing. Because for me... Okay, you give Celtic, offer Celtic that quota, right, and we take them up. Don't put them in that corner. Take 700 fans, uh, Rangers, out of the, the, I don't know, the top right-hand corner, uh, the Broomloan, or the Copeland, sorry, uh, and stick us in that corner with a wee bit segment of police to block it off as you, as you would at Parkhead when they've got that section where James Forrest sits. Quite easily they could do that. We're up in the doldrums, but we're not in any danger. The person that thought that it would be a good idea to put Celtic fans in that wee corner below Rangers fans like this either side, that guy's a prick. He is. Because, <laughs> like, how how can you think that that, that is, like, that, that just, it's not logical thinking. You, you, look, you go into that stadium and go, we'll stick them there. I would go straight away, even if I was a Rangers man, God forbid I'm not, I would go, again, that's a bit dodgy. You could get stuff getting chucked in, lighters, piss, cartons of cola or whatever. For that height, it can do some serious damage. And people, when they're kegged up and they're they're in the the heat of the moment, guys wouldn't maybe chuck a lighter at somebody ordinarily. 
But for that 90 minutes, some guys are in the ordinary and they lose the plot. And for me, it was to put Celtic there. And then, like they did it, right? And Celtic fans were in danger. Things got thrown at them. But to then offer us again in the same place, Rangers knew Celtic weren't going to take that. They weren't wanting yep. them to get any tickets. If they if they wanted Celtic to even get 700 tickets, they would have put them in a place and swapped the Rangers fans who have snapped up these sought-after season tickets and put them <laughs> in that pen for, the, for two games a season and put Celtic fans in a safer position in the stadium. But they didn't offer that. And they don't want us there. And we don't want them there. As much as it would be better for a spectacle, Rangers started it. Rangers have continued it, and that message really needs to get put out in the mainstream media. Yep, I, I would, I would to- totally agree with that, and that's where I think per- perhaps we the, the the article. If anybody's not read it, it's on the Celtic blog. Um, James put it up today. It seems like something might be in the the works with that, so we might hear a statement sooner rather than later, guys. So. We shall wait and see. Um, so, last subject tonight, boys. After all that, I forgot there's actually some football this weekend. Uh, <laughs> League Cup defence begins uh, away to Rugby Park, the hallowed plastic turf of Rugby Park. Um, best pies in the land, worst playing surface, it has to be said. But um, what's your thoughts, um, Ross? Do you foresee you know, some French players like Stephen Welsh getting the nod? <laughs> uh, and... Um, just sort of what, what you kind of your predictions for the for the game. Well, listen, I've advocated Stephen Welsh in this podcast, but I'm not having him in the team where I'm in. But <laughs> no danger. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, no, listen, the, the surface will play a big factor. Rangers have went there. I was going to say they struggled. They didn't struggle. They get beat. Um, mm. For a cup tie away from home. Listen, you don't want to... It, it's not easy. It's not going to be easy at Rugby Park. Although, you say that on paper, it isn't easy because of all the things that you're up against, including the mm-hmm. surface, and you're not making an excuse. But Celtic could go there on Sunday and win by 3-4-5. Or Kilmarnock could be stuffy, make it difficult. Celtic could have a, a bit of an off day and it could be a, a really difficult tie. But I'm expecting Celtic to go there and win the game. Of course I'm not. Um, even we're going to have to play with I don't think Alistair Johnson's ready for this match although he's back in training um, we're going to have to go there and play the game with a makeshift say a makeshift defence we've got two new centre halves in <laughs> oh well <laughs> um, it, will, it won't be a makeshift defence but it'll be a new defence uh, which comes with its trepidation, if you like. Um, but again, we'll probably have a a different midfield because Hatati's out. But that squad should still be strong enough. Whoever comes into the team to go and win at Kilmarnock and expect a win. Good man, good man. And uh, what about yourself, Stephen? Are you would you say full strength, or you know, do you expect some changes? And uh, how you think the game will pan out? I'm pretty much thinking like Ross there. I mean, we all watched the Kilmarnock game when we were juiced up and 
Like you said, yeah, some people are. Oh, it was it was brilliant. Well, I think the the celebration for that that defeat was there's not enough celebrating Celtics, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no. As you, as you said, the first that, experience in my my uh, fist pumps every two minutes every oh, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your your fist pumps, but um, pumps. I think you, you you look at it, <laughs> you look at it. It's a tough place. We know as well. In, in terms of the surface and yeah, that can come into the, the play there. But I think for us, I mean, and, and this is maybe a, just a stupid point, but it's followed in my head. The likes of Lager, Lager Bilk and the Rocky, they've played on plastic 4G surfaces in, in the Polish leagues and Swedish leagues. They have them there because of the weather and stuff. So they're, they'll be well versed at that kind of surface. I, I think like you, it could, be, it could be a game of two kind of two issues. It could be stuffy. We'll have to grind it out. I think there's a few people in the chat who say that. Or like last year, the first thirty minutes would totally blow them away and win win quite comfortably. So, I'm I'm expecting a good tough game. I think McInnes has got the, the recruitment at Kilmarnock, the very kind of physical players, athletic players. Maybe not easy on the eye, but they get stuck in. A bit like his old Aberdeen team. I think he's trying to kind of model that in, in the Kilmarnock at, at Rugby Park. But I'm expecting a good kind of competitive game, and then to kind of set us up for for the League Cup run, hopefully. And, Maybe the likes of Yang to come in to start, maybe. Kyogo, Maeda, I don't know, maybe Awada coming in, home coming in. Good opportunity to try out a few different players, and I'd be excited to see that as well. Yeah, well, fingers let's, crossed, mate. Let's, oh, let's sorry, not forget. No, I was just going to say, let's not forget Kilmarnock should have had a penalty in the semi final last year. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, good. The media let's get the pressure on the ref. Jesus, uh, man. Unbelievable. Um, wow. Listen, if there was the call, call in she's given to all the decisions that went against us last year, we'd be here till, you know, we'd, we'd, uh, the next game of Thrones book would be written before uh, before we'd get to the end of that. <laughs> but enough said about that, the better. But um, no, that kind of, I'm the same voice, so fingers crossed. But they'll say there will be a few changes, some forced, some but perhaps just um, a bit of rotation. But hopefully, come Monday, um, names in the, the hat for the, for the um, quarter final draw. Um, so here's something I'll take a lovely hassle three two and I'll settle for that right now. Let me tell you. Um, but in terms of subjects, boys, that's us before tonight. Be, Sorry, Stephen. Before, be, be, before we end, this one kind of important thing to touch upon, Ross. Um, the Super Six. If I bring up the oh. leaderboard here on the podcast, we'll have Alistair Jack first place, Kevin Gallagher, Bethany Brannan, uh, Phil Thomason, Kieran, Mark Robertson, Jamie McElduff. Jamie Lalamere and Ewan Cheshire making up the top nine. So, again, get your, your predictions in early. Get them done tonight. Get them done. When is it by, Ross? Uh, three o'clock in the morning. Get your predictions in for this weekend. I've and, done mine. Like, Never forgot this time. <laughs> and like Anthony said at the start, uh, the Stephen Coulthard, we've ordered the T-shirts. They'll be coming hopefully within three to four weeks. And we'll get it posted to you, buddy, as soon as we possibly can. So there you go, your Super 6 update. <laughs> Perfect. Hi, that's good. Thanks for reminding me, Stephen. I'll, I'll need to remember and start doing that at the start of the show. But uh, no, as I say, at least you've given everyone the update. And as I say, and if anyone wants to join the league, I think there is. You can still do it. Um, you see, you've only missed one one game, so very quickly you can uh, pick up all the the details are at the bottom of the screen there. But uh, that brings us to uh, the end of proceedings tonight, boys. Um, as I expected, that was a lively one. But have you enjoyed it? Brilliant. I love it, man. I love it lively. I love it when we disagree because I think to sum it up perfectly, if we all agreed, it'd be over in 20 minutes and we'd be sleeping. So you have to have that. (laughs) 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 Different opinions. 
It's, it was very enjoyable. Uh, yeah, I've enjoyed good it. Been, been good. Yeah, so it's always good being on with you guys. Um, absolutely, and uh, thanks again to everybody for watching. Um, and getting involved in the discussion. We appreciate all the comments and uh, hopefully I think Stephen's managed to bring up you know, the vast majority of them. So we hope you've um, enjoyed being involved in the, in the chat tonight as well. And if, um, if you like what you're seeing and hearing, just hit that wee subscribe button and uh, the little bell notification next to it and you'll get a, a little update every time um, we're going live because we don't just have our Monday and Friday shows. We'll obviously throughout the course of the season be doing the, uh, the Sunday spin-offs and of course we've got the Champions League draw etc coming up um, as well so plenty to look forward to on the endless cells but in terms of tonight that is us and I'll hand you over to Stephen for uh, the famous send off but thanks again folks cheers as, as Anthony said I want to echo everyone joining us and getting involved in the comments and until Monday stay well and keep safe heel heel <laughs>